0: and welcome to the Learner's Corner Podcast. This is the podcast for lifelong learners where we learn about anything and everything.
1: My name is Caleb Mason. And my name is Todd Hicksonball.
0: And boy, do we have a great episode. AKA the Todd today. Father. I've just waited just to mess with you this time. Yes!
1: We have a great episode today, guys.
0: Today, we are talking with our friend, Stuart Hall.
1: Shout out to Stuart Hall. Wait! Shout out to Stuart Hall. Like he's coming on this episode.
0: Yes, he is. On I don't this need episode.
1: to shout him out. I'm excited about this.
0: We are. I'm especially excited because um, he reveals something about you in, in our interview. He does <laughs> that um, that not many people know? Not many people know about. But before we get into that, uh, oh, actually. Before we get into what we were going to get into, we're talking with Stuart about becoming a stu- uh, student of culture. <laughs> I'm just so excited. <sighs> we're talking with Stuart about becoming a student oh, of culture, and we talk with him a little bit about a new project he's working on. And actually, it's launched now called Influencer. No. Now.
1: Time? Is it time? It is now time. It's time. Guys, he's kept this one secret from me. He will not reveal what it is. And so I'm ready now to hear along with you what his resource of the week is.
0: My resource of the week is a TV show called American Vandal. Oh, for the love of God. You've literally yelled at me before for trying
1: to bring TV shows onto the resource of the week. And now you're going to give us a TV show?
0: What TV show did I yell at you for? I tried to talk about one of the Marvel shows. I forget which one now. You told me no. This has social commentary to it. So,
1: (laughs) son, you trying to tell me that Daredevil does not have social commentary?
0: Okay. So Todd's other resource of the week is Daredevil. (laughs) Um, But uh, American Vandal, um, specifically I'm going to say the second season. Um, You don't really need to watch the first season. It's kind of an anthropology. And so each season is separated. Um, But the second season... Uh, it's going to set it. Don't judge it. It's start. You're going to start watching it. And it's going to seem a little bit childish. Um, but it has some strong social commentary, especially it's a fun, and it's not like you're going to have to endure. It. It's a really fun show, but especially, um, especially as it moves forward in the season, they have some strong social commentary. Caleb likes and, to
1: spend all day Saturday, just binge watching stuff.
0: And just as, um, as just as we're going to talk about, he has no life, just as we're going to talk about with Stuart, um, this show, um, it has some implications for really, it talks about the power of social media and how it can be used, um, how it can be really used to destroy people's lives.
1: And you've talked to me about this a lot. So maybe I should listen and you should finally what partake,
0: partake. So, check out American Vandal. It's it on Netflix now.
1: Stuart Hall. Ba-ba-ba-da-ba. Stuart Hall.
0: I can't think of a better introduction, so here we go. <clears throat> well, Stuart, we are so excited to have you back on the Learner's Corner podcast.
2: It is my honor. That's not what you were saying earlier, but I appreciate you lying <laughs> to the people. Are you not going to do open that up with the Yoda voice? <clears throat> No, I'm not. I don't know what you're talking about. I needed that to
0: occur. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> already off the rails. Um, yeah. So, Stuart, you, it's been about a year since you've been on the podcast. Kind of catch us up with what you've been doing and, you know, what you're doing with the Influencer and stuff.
2: Yeah. So, well, first and sincerely, thank you guys for having me back. Um, i We have had our head down working feverishly for uh, our launch of this new initiative in a couple of weeks. Um, Just finished um, from the last week of May until last Tuesday. uh, I have been speaking at some form of a student camp for teenagers all summer. So uh, it's good to talk to people that are out of puberty. I'm excited about that. Some of Todd, us are Todd's, Todd's questionable, but Caleb, <laughs> I, I consider you a mature, mature adult. Yeah, hey, I can grow a beard. <laughs> yes, you can. Um, so, so yeah, that's that's what we've. I mean, the last year has been insanely focused on that.
0: Mm-hmm. So, tell for people who may not be familiar with influencer, tell us a little bit sure. about what that is.
2: Yeah, so it's it really is. This is no exaggeration. It's a 20-year odyssey, it seems like, um, uh, that's finally coming into fruition. I was a 13-year local church youth pastor, and our passion and mission when I was a local church youth pastor is the reason why I ventured in 1997 into parachurch world. Um, I just really believe that the most... um, The the most overlooked, ignored, underdeveloped teenager within the context of our local church youth ministries is that guy or girl who has incredible leadership potential, um, has the ability to be an incredible influencer, but for a variety of reasons, and most of them good reasons, they get overlooked and underdeveloped. So uh, for the last 20 years, specifically the last eight years as a part of Orange, or sorry, last 10 years as a part of Orange, Um, we've been laser focused on how do we develop a resource for youth leaders across the country that are already at the edge of their margins as it relates to programming. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because the the harsh reality is that most youth leaders don't need to do more programming. They need to do less. Uh, They need to simplify because, um, any hope that we have in impacting the next generation has to be done through the context of relationships. But the number one question that we get all across the country is what do we do for um, those students in our ministry that we want to develop as leaders? Um, uh, And I think I may have even said this a year ago, Uh, maybe not, but um, we had Marco Stryker speak to our staff months ago at Orange to our our XP3 student ministry staff and he made the comment that most youth ministries in America are perfectly positioned to reach teenagers in 1986. Uh there's an unspoken implication in that and that is that we are preparing them for preparing the next generation for a world that no longer exists. Mm-hmm. Um and if you think about the way that we develop in the, the way that we develop teenagers as leaders We've reduced it to preaching, be a missionary. Uh, from an application experiential standpoint, it winds up being the equivalent of set up chairs and fold some T-shirts, and every once in a while give us your opinion, and we'll deem you a leader. Uh, but when you're talking about Generation Z, the most uh, uh, the most lonely. Uh, they have a digital heartbeat. You know, the most multiracial, sexually fluid, post-Christian, self-directed, you know, porn-saturated generation that's ever existed. Are we developing teenagers that can lead that in that context? Mm -hmm. Uh, I I I was just sharing uh, with our staff this morning that there is a new movie coming out, actually released today about uh, a young lady who is sent by her uh, family to a gay aversion therapy camp. There's a movie out about it today. Mm. It's The Miseducation of um, – I'll, 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 you can put it in the show notes. I can't yeah. remember the <clears throat> title. Well, our teenagers are leading that world. They're leading it now in their respective spheres of influence at their schools, um, their sports teams, and even at their church. And they're certainly going to lead it in the future when they graduate from college or go into the workforce or whatever they choose to to do so how do we help them be jesus with skin on be spiritually influential in that context and so influencer is our desire to fuel the next generation of leaders worth following we don't want to tell kids what to think we want to help teenagers learn how to think uh and we've we've i feel like we've developed in a a resource that takes a ton of responsibility, the load off of programming from the, the local church youth pastor, because we send a text directly to high school students. Um, and in that text every week, there's a link where whether it's us interviewing a culture maker, um, a really compelling read, an article, uh, go watch this movie. Um, the cool part is that it's real world in real time with real issues Um, And then along with that, we are going to be incredibly focused on helping them reshape apologetics in a post-Christian world. So, you know, what does your faith look like in a world that's post-modern and post-Christian? How do you how do you talk about the claims of Jesus to a generation that doesn't assume that the Bible has authority in their life? Mm hmm. Uh, how do we help them develop emotional intelligence? Because all of the data screams that your emotional intelligence is so much more important than your, your intellect. Um, That is a real determining factor on whether or not you're going to be successful. Um, But even more so, are you going to be uh, that ability to be influential in the life of another person? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's it in a nutshell. Uh, And it's not me. It's a collective. I'm, working very closely uh, with Tom Sheff-Shunas, our director of student strategies at Orange, um, partners like Joseph Sojourner, Sojo, uh, Ray Farmer, the former general manager of the Cleveland Browns, um, is a partner with us. He's a teammate. And so I love the fact that we have older and younger, diverse voices that are speaking into this. Um, And then we're talking to some incredible organizations to be official uh, partners and ways that high school students
0: can actually exercise their leadership ability past set up chairs and fall t-shirts. Yeah. So I want to go back to something that you said. You said, you know, we want to teach people, uh, students in particular, how to think and not what to think. What mm-hmm. What's a way or two that you tangibly do that? Because that's something um, that, you know, I've heard a lot about and have always just struggled to figure out something that I can practically do in order to do that.
2: Mm-hmm. And he well, needs I to learn how have- to think too. <laughs> <laughs> no, you both are incredible thinkers. And that's one of the <clears throat> many reasons why I love you guys. I, I think the one thing that we have to caution ourselves from doing is constantly be being people that are giving students answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and a part of the entitlement issue with millennials and generation Z is that we want to go ahead and answer the question for them, yeah. uh, as opposed to putting them in tension points and allowing them to begin to work themselves work itself out of. You know, how do I make a wise decision? Um, what does my, how does my faith inform how I should lead in this? And so, consequently, one of the things that we're trying to do is um, we want to we want teenagers part of the reason why we want to go directly to teenagers is that this isn't a deal that you come to once a week where your high school pastor is standing up in front of you and telling you, this is what the Bible says there. This isn't discipleship curriculum. This is a resource to help you become a a more influential person. um, Because what's the point in knowing information if you don't have the ability to influence someone with the information that you have. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, uh, so we go directly to students, and then they begin to interact with, uh, the, whether it's a, vi- you know, a video interview, or we want you to read this article, or, for example, we want you to go and watch the movie Wonder with some friends, and then step away from that movie and have some discussion about the bullying issue in our schools. And here, here's your faith. Here's what you know, Jesus was about. All the all the law and the prophets hang on one commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, how does that work itself out in your respective sphere of influence with the people at your school? So it's us asking more questions than giving answers. And then it's teenagers being able to interact with that in real world, real time. And then one cool thing that we've done with Influencer is we think that our churches are full of men and women. You may not have the bandwidth to lead a small group of teenagers every week, but they are respective leaders in their respective spheres of influence in the community. And they'd be more than willing to meet with, you know, five teenagers for breakfast once a month and talk about how courage, excellence, grit, humility, um, integrity, how those things play out in their respective sphere of influence and how that translates to what a teenager is going through as a high school student, but even more so in the future, what that looks like. So all that to say, I think it, I think it hinges on our ability to keep it real world, real time, because even when students sit in small groups in our churches, we answer questions in a condition controlled environment that many times doesn't translate to real world in real time. Mm -hmm. So we want to, we want to create tension in real world, real time, and then allow you to wrestle with it. Give you some, give you some thinking points. We want to challenge your thinking on some things and then allow you to begin to shape what we hope is a holistic, solid, um, uh, able to be defended uh, backdrop of why you think you need to have courage. Why do you need to have integrity and what that all means within the, context of you having a relationship with Jesus.
1: How do you get small group leaders to the point where they're comfortable to start doing some of this stuff? Because what I'm hearing is a lot of things that are gonna be um it's gonna be hard for some of them to to be able to to buy into that because they're gonna go, well, why can't I just read off of the small the 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 leader guide? Um and we just do small group like that. How do you get small group leaders to the point where they're comfortable with not having to have the answer but instead Um, kind of facilitate the conversation?
2: Yeah, well, it's not, it's not at all designed to be driven through a small group context. The mentor meeting I was mentioning is once a month. Okay. So it's not, it's not like what you do. It's not in the place of a discipleship curriculum. It's in addition to, Mm -hmm. we think, we think that our the, there are scores of teenagers in our ministries that have incredible potential to be leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think a leader probably looks a lot, or the, a kid who has leadership potential looks a lot different than we have framed them to look like, but um, it's not intended at all to okay. be done as a, like a, a discipleship group. Gotcha. You know, what we want to do is those students to work through. The cool thing is the, the way we've designed the resource not only is the high school student who decides to be a part of this get the link, but so do their parents, mm-hmm. so does the youth leader, so does the mentor. That's, that's cool. So they're yeah. all working through the same stuff, listening to the same uh, interview for parents, youth leaders, and mentors. We actually expand the conversation that we have with a culture maker, and we do a twenty minute uh, video podcast where we turn the conversation from this is what it means to you as a high school student to this is what it means to those of us who are leading the next generation, whether you're a parent, a youth leader, or a mentor, to help them develop courage, to help them develop integrity, to help them think influence. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And then they meet that once a month to just discuss it. Yeah. It's not the, we're not trying to replace discipleship programs, content, we're not trying to replace student leadership events because there are tons of great ones. of the, We have no intention. We want to be the fuel in between. Gotcha. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah, it oh, does. Yeah. Um, that, so that's the purpose of influencer.
0: Gotcha. So, Stuart, one thing that has been said about you a lot is that you're a student of culture. And <laughs> No, seriously, though. Student, we have people oh, yeah. tell us this oh, yeah. about you. Yeah. They're like <laughs> Crystal,
1: Crystal Chang saying you should see this dude. He's a beast.
0: And so here's here's just what I'm wondering is do you remember the time to or you know maybe it was a series of events or something along those lines to wherever you just you know maybe it was whenever you were a youth pastor or whatever it was, whenever you just decided, you know what, I need to start paying attention to what is happening in, in and around our students and in and around culture.
2: <laughs> well, my first response would be when Kelly and I became parents. <laughs> <laughs> we, both, we both went, we don't know what we're doing, uh, because we don't. I don't think there's any mom and dad that knows what they're doing. Uh, and then that, and, and by the way, eventually, here's, here's, here's a uh, heads up, a, a, a service announcement brought to you by your friend, Stuart Hall. Eventually, your little children become <laughs> teenagers, and then it gets scary. So there was that, but there's also, for me, I don't have any desire to do anything but impact the next generation. Mm -hmm. Like I really do love my job. I, I just, this is my 30th year doing youth ministry. And I, so I'm getting old. I know that. And there's no way I can be cool. But what I do know is that teenagers will gravitate to the oldest person in the room who takes them seriously. And I just, I don't underestimate the next generation. I think it's one of the greatest disservices we've done to teenagers is that we don't think they can. I mean, let's let's take a step back for just a second and consider what has happened with the gun issue in our country just this year Yeah, because of... Teenagers starting with the tragedy at Parkland High School in Florida, but when you have hundreds of thousands of teenagers marching on our capital, you know, they want to do something significant. So I, I would say becoming becoming a parent and then the passion that I have for the next generation is a big deal. It's my job. Um And I think when we were working on the phase project, uh, I talk about this a lot when I talk about the, the just a phase project that Kristen and Kristen Ivy and Reggie Joyner did, which is, I think it's the best thing we've released at orange, Mm -hmm. but it, it really bothered me that the average educator in our country spends eight, they have eight, thousand study hours before they ever teach a class that the typical pediatrician in our culture will go to school they will be educated for 10 years past their undergrad or past graduating from high school and spend a half a million dollars on their education before they ever diagnose a patient Mattel the manufacturer of Barbie products Spend $600 million annually to determine how they should get their product in the hands of the next generation. And when you talk to youth leaders about what are you doing to know the culture you're working with, we default to Jesus. And let's, you're not listeners, you're not hearing me saying that's not an incredible answer because it's an incredible answer, but I get scared that it's code for laziness. Mm -hmm. The the reality is I I am a missionary to, I am a missionary living in a mission field, trying to help teenagers discover this person, Jesus. Uh, And we should, we should know if, if we say we care about them, we should know the world they live in. I, I have no chance at all of impacting the next generation if I don't understand the culture of the next generation. It should rattle us all that Kylie Jenner lowered Snapchat stock by $1.3 billion in one day with one tweet. Think about that. That's not the world I grew up in. So I better figure out how to how to understand the next generation. If I have any chance of being
0: an agent of change with them. So why, why do you think most people don't actively, you know, study culture and stuff like that? You know, you mentioned laziness and I'm sure that's part of it. Do you think there's any other reasons? Well, I think, I think we're
2: like, I have no interest in being cool. And I think older people think to understand their music, to understand their, you know, the the dress the language is it makes me look like i'm trying to be cool i'm not trying to be cool i can't be cool i'm old i'm i'm trying <laughs> i'm trying to understand their world and what communicates to a teenager that i take them seriously is that i understand their world mm. it they do not think i take them seriously if i'm constantly expecting them to understand my world I have to, I have to, taking them seriously means I want to understand your world. So I think, I think it's really that simple. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have to put our personal preferences to the side because, and it's, I I had a gentleman just this week because this summer, uh, (coughs) to youth leaders at a camp, there are hundreds of teenagers at this camp, but to youth leaders, I said, I think every single youth leader in America should watch 13 Reasons. And I said to teenagers, I don't think you need to watch it unless you're with your parents and have their permission, but every youth leader needs to watch it. And I had a youth leader email me this week and say, I watched 13 Reasons, and he had a variety of other questions, but he said, the biggest struggle I have is separating entertainment value for educational value. I think there's some of that. I think that's a great perspective. I don't watch Thirteen Reasons because it's entertaining. I watch it to understand. Um, and he even he even said, "Is this?" He asked me this question. Do you think this is the way most high school campuses are in America? I hope and pray it's not, but it's certainly a snapshot into the psyche of teenage America. So it's that kind of deal.
1: Love it. So part of this is, is you're, you're, you've kind of gotten good at it, being able to, to figure out what's going on and kind of, and being able to keep your finger on the pulse. Are there places that you go to look for, to figure out what the new thing is or how, what, what it is that they're looking at, what they're watching, what they're listening to, or is it just okay. your kids come home and be like, they're listening to something yeah. weird in their room?
2: I would, if, if we could, I'd love to take a couple of steps backwards. Do it. Yeah. How- because I think, I think some of this is philosophical and to some degree theological. So Acts one eight, Jesus says to his disciples, yes. "You will, you will, you're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Ju- in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." Well. <laughs> It, it strikes me as interesting that we have no problem with missionaries engrossing themselves in the culture of a third or fourth world country, but we lament youth leaders who do the same in our own culture. Hmm. And it's because I think part of our problem is that we think we're Jerusalem. The reality is we're the ends of the earth. <laughs> we, we were born in a mission field and when you begin to think that way, it changes the way that you like the way you critique culture, the way you think about culture. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would be less than honest if I didn't say that some of the reason why we don't have that perspective um, has to do with the fact that a ton of us think that we were born in a Christian country as Americans. And certainly there were some of our forefathers who Judeo-Christian values were important, but I'm of the opinion that America is not a Christian country. And until we change our thinking, we're going to have a difficult time reaching those in our country. So I think that's first and foremost, Todd. Um, can so,
1: I, can so, I, before you answer this, that, that second part that I think you're going to go to. Are you where- not
2: want, You're trying to wind me up. I know what you're doing. I'm calling you <laughs> bucko, buddy. You told you warned me earlier, you warned me earlier and I'm calling you on it. Those of you that are listening, this was coming. I could, I can, I'd see it. So how do so, <laughs> I can't even, um,
1: so how, so with that, I think that's really to the people who are in Caleb and I, in our, in our demographic, we are millennials and we grew up, Kind of in a world that's very different from our from our parents. In that, when you say that to us, it, it's very easy to, for us to hear that and understand what you mean. But I think there's a lot of people right now who are going. What do you mean? This isn't a Christian country? Like we have in God We Trust on our money. Um, can you can you talk to us a little bit more about that and and about this whole thing where it's not what we think in terms of it being a Christian nation? And then how do we how do we begin to have conversations about that to help people to see? What's really happening with this? Because that's really hard for people to hear. I just had a conversation with my mom not too long ago about this, and it just it just rocked her world. Some of the things that that she hears about about people um, not really having, like you talked about earlier, the, the Bible not having authority in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just talk to us a little bit more about that?
2: Because that's a rough well, one for people to hear. Sure. Yeah. Well, I don't want to chase that rabbit because I don't I don't think that's why we wanted to do this podcast. Maybe we, we can come back with people that are much more equipped to talk about it mm-hmm. succinctly. But I think Acts 1-8 is a great place. If if <laughs> if we're talking to people who do take the Bible seriously, I would simply ask them to consider that Jesus said that you're going to get the Holy Spirit, which we're all grateful for, and you are going to tell everybody about me in Jerusalem, which... Um, with all due humility and respect of anyone listening, um, Jesus was a Jew who spent almost all of his time with Jews. And the Bible, the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's account of Jesus' life, more times than not when Jesus was speaking to people, he was speaking to Jewish people. And Jerusalem and the surrounding areas were, were the direct vicinity of his life. So when he tells people Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outer reaches of the world, uh, America wasn't a part of that equation. And if it was, we are the outer reaches of the of the world.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so just from a simple draw a line from its origin mm. to where we are, I think you have a difficult time going, no, 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 no. America is the origin and we're going to draw a line back to Jerusalem. That's, that's, that's just illogical. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it also should say something to us that there are, uh, for the longest time, 1500 plus years, uh, the vast majority of Christians in the world were not white. And now the vast majority of Christians are in what is considered uh, the southern part of the globe, Central South America and that area. So we're, you know, we're not even we're not even predominantly Christian. Um, It should also probably rattle us a bit that some of those countries that we sent missionaries to are now sending missionaries to us. So that would be a very simple Cliff Notes way of me saying, when I say we're not a Christian, you're not at all hearing me imply, yes, in God we trust is on our money. But for us to think that everybody in America operates with the assumption that the Bible is the inerrant, word of God and that everybody knows Jesus I just don't think it's true yep. and and I know it's not true because I actually have conversations with teenagers
0: mm-hmm.
1: sure way to not get wound up Stuart <laughs> jerk yeah well
2: <laughs> oh. and that proves that we're not a Christian nation because I'm on a Christian podcast being called
0: a jerk <laughs>
2: <clears throat> we just work in churches man
0: <laughs> oh okay so let's let's go back to um you know become becoming a student in culture you said that's a little bit uh uh theological and philosophical so mm-hmm. where where are the places that you go to good. stay yeah. in tune with culture because yeah. you're rattling off all this stuff and all i'm thinking is where did you go to like see all this stuff yeah
2: yeah well um uh, the the inner geek nerd is about to come out. So go, I wake go up for like, it. I wake up really really early. In fact, I got made fun of on Dym's Create podcast by Jamie Dickens this week because he talked about how old I am, and it makes sense that I get up as early as I do. Um, I would assume he thinks to have a bowel movement, but the <laughs> I get up I get up incredibly early. Uh, I read. Not in full form, but in segments, I read about six to eight publications every day, whether it's uh, a newspaper, CNN, uh, that kind of thing. So I read six to eight publications every morning. Um, When I do look at Twitter, I try to follow people, entities, organizations that I think are, are actually using Twitter for what I wish it was used for. Mm -hmm. Instagram as well, that it's informational and uh, educational to some degree. I'm constantly jotting down notes, quotes. I have a, uh, I use my notes on my phone and I start a brand new note taking thing January 1st of every year. And then at the end of the year, I'll file it. Um, So I have it. I do that. I try to read as best as I can, one to two books a week. Um, so, and it, and that nerd geek part of me is because I really do want to, I feel like a part of me having any sort of impact in the next generation. It means I need to be a student culturist. I, Mm -hmm. I I have to be a culturalist to, of teenagers. Uh, I want to, like when I go, (laughs) Kelly, my wife laughs at me because I'll go see a movie I believe that everything is spiritual, so I'll go see a movie, and we'll walk out of the movie, and I'll, I'll be talking about, did you see this kingdom agenda part of it? And she's like, what are you talking about? I was laughing during that part. It was just funny, you know, but I try to, I try to watch movies and television <coughs> shows um, from that vein as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if I get really, really practical, uh, we have an 18-year-old daughter that lives in her home, And she, that 18 year old daughter who lives in our home has a lot of friends who come to our house. And when they come to our house, uh, I ask a ton of questions. Um, um, I spend a ton of time. I just this morning, I was on campus at our local high school. I'm a volunteer varsity girls basketball coach there. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, a lot of the reason why I go there is because I observe teenagers in their natural habitat. I think too many youth leaders only observe students at church. And church is like going to the zoo. It's not a natural habitat. It's controlled. It's conditioned. But if you really want to know what teenagers are like, go on a campus, go to a football game, go to the mall on a Friday or Saturday night. Um, And then the other thing I think we need to Mark, Mark striker when he spoke to our staff several months ago, he talked about the fact that youth culture became popular culture in in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. And now popular culture is the dominant culture. Like, and I thought this was a great illustration. And this is true of me. Mark brought this, he used this illustration. Like, if you compare my music like the music on my phone to my dad's music, who he he doesn't have his music on his phone. But if you compared the music, there may be less than one percent of of carryover. I mean, we may have a we may have one or two songs that are the same. But you you compare my music to my kids' music, and there's only I mean, there's it's like ninety percent the same, and it's because youth culture became popular culture which is now the dominant culture mm-hmm. um, so it's not, I don't think it's as difficult as we make it out to be now youth culture is splintering because it's no longer yeah. you know uh, yep. uh, this cool thing because you know I i wear joggers I'm 50 you know I'm a- <laughs> 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 but in defense of me I've been wearing them for a while um, but <laughs> <laughs> but, oh my. But, but it's not as difficult as I think we think it is to understand the next generation.
0: Yeah, so I, I want to go back to something that you said um, a little while ago, and I was even talking with this a couple weeks ago with, um, with one of the other student pastors on our staff, and you mentioned it, the, the tension between uh, educating yourself about culture and then entertaining yourself with it as well. How do you personally manage that tension?
2: Well, I mean, I, we all have personal preferences. I'm probably lucky, uh, uh, and I and I talk about this quite a bit as it relates to to race. I was a I, I played basketball in middle school, high school, and in college. Uh, I, it's no secret that the demographic of especially collegiate basketball players is predominantly African American, which meant I was usually the only white guy. I mean, on my AAU team in high school, I was the only white guy on the team, but uh, growing up in the inner city until fourth grade. Uh, and then that world that I lived in as a, as a student athlete in high school and college, rap music, I dig it. I love it. I think Kendrick Lamar is a genius. Um, oh yeah, so do, do, do we. I, do, I, do I appreciate, do I appreciate um, his artistic capacity and ability? Probably more than people understand. Is everything that he says in his music edifying and good for my brain? Absolutely not. That's why I I have to do it in doses. I'm not literally riding down the road with my windows down, you know, with my (laughs) subs booming. That's I'm not doing that, but but there are so from an entertainment educational value tension point, there are some parts of student culture or culture that it's not that different. I'm yeah. educated while I'm being entertained, but a great example is 13 reasons why I thought the, I, I, I didn't think the acting was that great in that movie. Um, but the, I mean, my word for us to ignore it because it had foul language and the acting was bad. Um, or, you know, it presented a part of high school, that a a part of the psyche of the next generation that we don't like, Mm -hmm. that's just silly. It's foolishness for us to think that way. Um, And then I'll always go back to, sometimes I don't think like, I always, I'm a huge Denzel Washington fan. Denzel Washington tells a story. Denzel Washington, by the way, by every indication is passionately in love with Jesus. And he tells the story about the movie Training Day. If you ever saw that, if you've seen that movie, it's violent, it's vile. But one of the things that he said when he read the script, um, especially about the way that he dies in the movie, spoiler alert, alert, he dies at the end of the movie. But he read the script and he said he was just supposed to get capped by a drive-by shooting shooter. And if you remember at the end of the movie, the Russian mob basically surrounds him and guns him down. And it's because he said, this guy is so violent, so evil. The wages of sin is death and he needs to die a violent death. So, so much of culture or so much of media is showing us the human condition. Mm -hmm. And so it's as long as I can do that, then I can watch something. But if it's, ju- I mean, there's so some things are so profane and so vile that, you know, I think some of the, to be honest with you, a lot of a lot of the comedies that are out now mm. has nothing to do with the human condition. It's yeah. let me just <laughs> push the limits on how, pro, and I'm a comedy dude. Like I loved you guys know, um, we spent twenty minutes laughing before we even got on the podcast. Um. So anyway, I I I, I just I'm you know my anchor is in Jesus. I have no intention of falling off the boat and, and, you know, becoming some vile person.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm anchored in Jesus. So I'm going to lean out as far as I can to see what life is like um, in the darkness so that I can help people in the dark.
0: Sure.
1: So one of the questions that I, that I'm curious about is in light of all this stuff. So in light of in light of looking at all this stuff and talking about all of it, what, how is our place to be influencers in this culture? Um, And if so, how, how do we do that? Like, how do we influence um, and and bring this Jesus piece into, into this culture?
2: You, I think you just asked the million dollar question. Uh, I think it's, I think the question you're asking is the question that plagues the local church because if you think about it, we really only have a couple of choices. We could decide that it's our for and no more, that we could gather our own, mm. retreat to the hills somewhere and build a commune and just wait till Jesus comes back. Or we could decide Um, as a, and I'm going to say this as a parent, let me take my youth leader hat off. I just want to say this as a parent, Kelly and I feel such a deep commitment to raise a young man and two young ladies who who are passionately in love with Jesus and are in the world that they live in because the most powerful person in the room is the Dr. King said this, the most powerful person in a dark room is the one with the light. They're the ones that have influence. And does it mean that we are raising our children in a cesspool? Yes. And does it mean that if you live in a cesspool, you're going to get stink? Yes. But I would submit that the other option is to raise them as modern-day young Pharisees. And the difference between raising them in a cesspool and raising them as modern-day Pharisees is that when you raise modern day young Pharisees, you can't smell the stink. Hmm. In fact, you start thinking the stink smells good. At least with the cesspool, I can go, that smells like crap. Wow. I'll let the silence (laughs) hang (laughs) in. I'll let the silence (laughs) hang That, are, are you going to edit yeah, the silence out there? Oh no, um,
1: we're leaving the silence. I might edit it out.
2: Okay. I mean, does that does does oh. that make sense?
0: Yeah. No, yeah.
1: It, it no, it does. Yeah. That's that's one of the things that I struggle with. I guess is a lot of times right now, <clears throat> when you're talking to parents, the questions that they're asking are the wrong questions, and the small group leaders and I, you know, and, and even and, us and the leader, to some degree. Yeah, it's like. Well, it's not even the right question. The question that we need to be asking is more along the lines of what you're saying: is what are, are we okay with living in the tension of living in a world that's that's like this, rather than how do how do I keep things out? Um, it's how do how do I begin to live amongst it, and what are we? Yeah. Like, here's what are we...
2: here's here's a great here's a great way to think about it. Uh, if I were to ask you to define purity, how would you define it?
0: Probably spotless. like Yeah.
2: Clean. I, think we, I think we all tend to define purity in the religious sector as the absence of sin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would submit that purity is less about the absence of sin as it is the, whole, the wholeness and fullness of God. Mm. Because just, <laughs> just extracting sin out of an issue doesn't make something pure. There has to be something there that makes it pure. Otherwise,
1: it's just a void. Yeah. You're right. And There's so, a void I'm, there.
2: I would submit that we should be much more interested in raising teenagers and developing teenagers full of the fullness of God so that taintedness doesn't taint them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But, and part of it is because, and I think, Todd, this is what you were alluding to earlier, we're playing defensively. We are yes. scared to death yep. to lose instead of playing to win. Yeah. Um, and I just I just think I, I I have too much respect for the next generation. I I believe in my own children too much to go. They're gonna fall. Are there some things in some environments and some relationships? Absolutely. We're teaching those things. I'm not talking about being reckless uh at all, but I also believe in the spirit of God that lives inside of students. I believe it's the same spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. I believe that that same spirit of God can change the minds and the hearts of teenagers. I believe that same spirit of God can allow them to be Jesus with skin on in dark places without them getting dragged into the darkness. Does it mean they're going to be tempted at some point? Yes. But if we, What winds up happening is that because we're so scared they're going to get drugged down, we never put them in positions where they develop convictions, and the weakest convictions our teenagers have are the ones they've never tested. And guess when they test their convictions if that's the way we decide to develop students? They test their convictions when they're out from under our influence, and then they fall apart, and then we look back and go, what happened? Well, we never gave them an opportunity to exercise their convictions while they were actually under our direct
0: influence. That's strong. That's really strong. Cool. Well, Stuart, just as we're <clears> getting <throat> ready to wrap up, we always have a couple. Are of we thoughts. wrapping up? I thought we had more to talk about. Hey,
1: hey, you talk, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sorry, if, if you got more thoughts, bring them. Well, I thought we had more questions to go through. But we do. No worries. No, no, we still have we still have some oh, questions that we're yeah going we through. have yeah. we have questions.
2: I, I'll fly. Y'all just y'all just y'all just make sure that I shut
0: up. And I'll fly through them here. We, we always have a couple of questions that we love to ask everybody. The first one is what's one thing that's helping you either personally or professionally right now? Oh, good one. Um, I'm trying really, really hard to surround
2: myself with younger, more diverse voices. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I want to be a person uh, that does life daily with men and women who are younger than I am and see the world differently than I do. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, I think it is imperative because if not, all we're doing is reinforces our prejudices anyway, our preconceived notions. Um, I heard someone say recently that tokenism is wanting faces of color, but not voices of color. I want voices, diverse voices in my life, Mm -hmm. Um, speaking into my life, speaking into influencers, speaking into XP three and orange and what we do.
1: Awesome. What advice would you give to someone who is eager to start learning? It could be about what we've been talking about, or it could be just in, in general.
2: Uh, I would give everybody a, an exercise. I would ask everybody listening to do this exercise uh, at some point. When you get around in a group setting, start asking questions. Become curious and start asking questions. And do not give your opinion unless someone asks for your opinion and see if it drives you nuts. I think the thing we could do to become uh, better learners is become incessant askers of questions.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: I don't feel like I did that well today on your podcast. Part of it's because it's a bit one-sided. You're asking me questions. It's the format. Yes, yeah. Yeah, the format, but, um, I think we need to learn how to ask questions to sincerely learn. Most people I've found ask questions so that they can earn the right to give their opinion as opposed to legitimately (coughs) asking to know, asking to learn. So become an incessant question asker. Is asker even a word?
1: It just became one.
2: Yep, we're adding it to the dictionary right now.
1: (laughs) It just became one. Hey, if you could have everybody learn one thing, and it could be about student ministry stuff that we've been talking about today, or it could be—I I, I use this example—it could be how to properly roast a marshmallow. What would that <laughs> thing? What would that thing be that you would want everybody to know how to do
2: or learn? Can I give more than one? Because yeah. you guys yep. sent me this question before, and it was oh, this is such a great question. Of course. All right, so here's 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 my one times a few. Uh, <laughs> reading, reading is the cheapest form of education. Number two, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the most important event in history and for your life personally. Number three, (laughs) America was not and is not a Christian country. We've already covered that one. Number four, racism is America's first and still most abhorrent sin. Mm -hmm. And number five, food is our most abused anxiety drug and exercise is our most underutilized
0: antidepressant. I love it. Okay. I want to go back to, I want to go back to reading as the cheapest form of education. Talk a little bit more about that. My
2: dad never graduated from high school. Um, He's one of my heroes and he used to every day, even to this day, he's 70 something years old. He will go and buy a newspaper and read the newspaper. And he always would tell me newspapers, the cheapest form of education. Um, uh, I I would even... This this is a bit controversial, but I think if you don't read books, you shouldn't write a book. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Because it could be that you're actually writing a book about something that 12 million people have actually written about already. <laughs> you just haven't read it. So um, it's just... Uh, and, and I also feel that way about the next generation. We have to start really helping teenagers read mm-hmm. uh, because it just opens up a completely new world to you.
0: Yeah. And then finally, what are you learning right now? Mm.
2: Um, I'm learning that it's easier to be different than it is to be better. I want to be better. I don't want to be different. Um. And to be better means that you have to be the unique person that you are. Um, the older you get in youth ministry, the easier it is to just assume I need to be different instead of just be a better version of the person God created you to be. Um, I'm learning that parenting parenting teenagers ain't for sissies. Man, uh, being the parent of a teenager is no joke. Um, we're also entering the world that <laughs> parenting young adults is has it comes with its own challenges as yeah. well. Um, and then I'd ble- I'd leave you with this. Um, this is really like I thought this was really good. I I learned I heard this a couple weeks ago that professionalism slash maturity is you being responsible with the gifts that God has given you being proactive and effective, and this is the key part, unsupervised. Mm. Because if you think about it, most of the, I think Seth Godin actually helped me with that, that most of our life is under some sort of supervision. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Professionalism and maturity is you being able to do what God put you on the planet to do <clears throat> without somebody having to supervise you to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. All that. Well, Stuart, thanks so much for spending some time with us on the podcast, the 17-hour podcast. <laughs> if uh, if people want to continue, to learn. this
2: is all Todd's <laughs> fault, also known as Congressman Jason Spencer from South Georgia. I was
1: wondering when you're going to bring this up. It was like he's running and out he's of got time. To,
2: you've got to throw that picture on the show notes. We're so putting it, it in the show notes. It will. Just it, how much, of a, like. will, just it, how much it, of a clone you look like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, or actually, not, not me as
0: clone. It could be Todd for a It know. could
2: be Todd. Yeah. He just says he lives in I'd life.
1: have to age. I'd have to age.
2: <laughs> yeah, you,
0: you do look a lot younger Uh huh.
1: I shaved, <laughs> I shaved <laughs> the beard.
0: Hey, I've, I've seen the movies, they can age you. So. <laughs> All I'm saying is,
2: it's possible. Yeah. yeah. What uh, were you
0: going to ask me earlier, Caleb? Before yeah. I rudely interrupted uh, you? You're good. If people want to continue to learn from you, find out more about influencer. Where's the best place for them to do that?
2: Uh, social media handles are I am Stuart Hall, S T U A R T. I am Stuart Hall. Uh, influencer, I <laughs> we we don't know how to spell, so <laughs> influencer is I N F L U N S R. I-N-F-L-U-N-S-R dot co dot C-O. Influencer.co. Um, that's the best place. And uh, you can follow influencer social media wise at the same influencer. I-N-F-L-U-N-S-R.
0: Yep. Great. It'll all be on the show notes too. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast today, Stuart.
2: Guys, thank you so much. I really do. It was an honor. Appreciate it.
0: Caleb.
1: That was really fun. That was really fun. What's something you took away from that conversation with Stuart?
0: I mean, I feel like it's kind of obvious, but you need to be paying attention about what ha- what's happening in culture. What's happening. And, you know, I think part of, part of us, um, I think, wants to go to, you know, what are the things that we like in culture? Yeah. But often the things that are most popular in culture – is what's popular with um, with teenagers, and so just pay, just paying attention to that, whether it be movies or music or what's on Netflix or um, or even um, what are what are some of the popular and this probably isn't true for teenagers too much, but what are some of the popular uh, books, articles, ma- blogs, YouTube. All that stuff. So just being a student of that and paying attention to it. Yeah,
1: and he's phenomenal at that. That was that was fun. I got made fun of a lot on that episode.
0: You did, but it was all in good It was good all love. in good fun, and Stuart's just, yeah, Stuart's a lot of fun. So if you enjoyed this episode, the best way to make sure that you don't miss our next episode is by subscribing to our podcast on whatever podcast player you use. And next week we are talking with Sam Walker and he is a leadership columnist for the Wall Street Journal. And uh, he released a book that was named one of the best books, best business books of last year. It's called The Captain Class. And it is all about uh, leadership and sports and what you can learn from that as well. So, The best way to make sure you don't miss that episode is by subscribing to the podcast on whatever podcast player you use. Also, don't forget to leave a rating and write a review of the podcast as well. It allows us to expand these conversations and to expand our audience so that conversations like these can go um, broader as well. Also, um, let us know what you're learning in the review. Let us know some of the things that you would like to learn about as well. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. My name is Kayla Mason. My name is Todd Ixenball. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing.